Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, qué golazo. Gol. Qué golazo de Bellerín, gol del Arsenal. Gran gol de Bellerín, 1-0. This is Ascast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra as always with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning to you and happy Easter and may the blessings of the chocolate scary bunny be with you. Yes, I hope you got everything you asked for this Easter. I did. I did. <laughs> well, a... you, did, you did on Saturday, certainly. Yes, for sure. Uh, that was that was good. That was good, right? Yeah, it was great. Mm. Loved it. Um, it's a weird weekend this for me because... Being self-employed, I'm sure you're the same thing. I'm sort of all these days off, sort of don't really happen in my mind. Yeah. And then on Friday there was Championship football happening in the middle of what, as far as I was concerned, was a working day. It's it's going to be the same today. It's mind blowing. Yeah, it is a bit weird. It is a bit weird. Other people get to enjoy the benefits of a of a bank holiday. In fairness, I had a lie-in of an extra hour and a quarter this morning. That Priceless. was my treat. Was prices invaluable to mm. you? I mean, you know, all those early starts. <laughs> but anyway, we're not asking for for too much sympathy. I think it's a, a you know a little bit of work on Friday night is a fair price to pay for what we saw on Saturday. That is very true. That's very true. It was pants around the ankles. Good, I think you could say. It was. How's your brother? He's fine. He's sort of quite. Um philosophical about the whole thing as he said yesterday when we were having a, a Sunday dinner up in my dad's house he was like well look the thing is none of it matters at all and we're all gonna die at right. some point and it was very hard to argue with with that no it's sort of that's the ultimate escalation isn't it of any situation once you put that down there's no coming back really yeah you know and and there's you know there's a, a huge element of truth to that mm. but you know on the other hand it was very enjoyable to see them get spanked like that, considering they'd given us a spanking at Anfield uh, the previous season. And uh, even this season, despite the fact we should have won that game, performance-wise, uh, they were very, very much better than us. But there was a lot to be encouraged about from the Arsenal performance. Before we go into all the good stuff, let's let's just whip it around a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, should we despite the context of of the win and everything else, should we be in any way concerned um, about that little period after we'd started the game so brightly, they came back into it, and there were some moments of of worry and danger, particularly uh, that time when Markovic went through and and, uh, put the ball across for Sterling for a tap-in, but uh, misplaced his pass. That That would really have changed the complexion of the afternoon. Yeah, that was a worrying period, and, and watching it, you sort of couldn't help but feel... It was strange, Arsenal had started so brilliantly, hadn't they, in the first 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Came out of the traps absolutely flying, forcing Liverpool into errors, 
uh, identifying a weakness on the ball at the back and really putting a lot of pressure on but not capitalising on those chances. Aaron Ramsey, the most memorable one, really, where Mignolet produced a decent save to deny him. And then, yeah, well, we, we kind of went off the boil slightly and they came back into the game and it felt like they sensed that we were almost as vulnerable as them in some respects. And uh, that chance, obviously, they should have scored there. Had they done so, the whole complexion of the game would have changed and... You know, well, mm. God, God only knows what would have happened. So yeah. I guess that is a bit of a concern. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think in when you look at the overall performance and what we were capable of doing, it, it wouldn't have been an insurmountable problem. But I guess it would have been one of those where you're like, ah, oh, here we go again, having started brightly and we let them concede. Uh, we concede the first goal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You give yourself an uphill task, and you know maybe it might have made some of those Liverpool players think they were any good. Yeah, I mean, it, a little bit like the Manchester United game in some respects, you know, where we started quite well in that match, but uh, they grew into it and got the first goal. And from that point, you know, the opposition get full of confidence and the whole dynamic shifts. So we were definitely a little bit fortunate that Lazar Markovic, I mean, I don't really know what he was thinking, really. I mean, I, mean, I understand the decision to pass. I suppose he was trying to be generous, but he just overhit it, didn't he? Do you think he should have gone for goal? He got a lot of stick for not taking the shot on. But I think, you know, had he done so and missed, people probably would have pointed out, look how free Raheem Sterling was. So, mm. you know, you can't be too harsh on him, but I think he just overhit the thing and they'll be pretty disappointed. To be they will be. They will be. And, you know, it, it's good for us to, to be able to laugh at him. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind at all. No, I, it was one of uh, one of the enjoyable moments of the game, in fairness. Mm, it was that brilliant pantomime thing, wasn't it, where you could see the terror in the in the in the fans behind the goal you could see that oh my god this is going all wrong and then when the ball ran across serving it was like way it yeah. is it's almost as as good as a goal in a way uh, just from a pure celebration point of view so uh, yeah exactly and i think sterling sort of fell over as well trying to reach it and people falling over is always always a highlight isn't it face plants they're good yeah can't get enough of those. No. Um, so, right, okay, well, with that bit out of the way, and I think people will accept that sometimes in a game of football, you do need a bit of luck or you need something to, to, to go your way. After that, I don't think there can be any doubt as to the quality of the, the game that we played. Um, and the the comprehensive nature of the, the win was obviously just brilliant from a fan's point of view when you beat a big team like that. But I think there was something quite striking about how how well we beat Liverpool and what that means for them this season in terms of their Champions League prospects and our Champions League prospects. It was, it's sort of like, I don't know, cutting off a, a nasty appendage or, you know, a, a boil or a growth or something. It just felt clinical. It did. That it's was very... a weird, um, that was a weird <laughs> metaphor there. I'm sorry. I don't know where I was going with that one. It's okay. It's obviously something, you know, close to the surface in your mind, but I, I think that, um, yeah, that's them done, I think, for the top four, to be honest. Nine points away from us. But I think more than that, the kind of psychological impact of that kind of defeat is going to be very, very difficult to overcome, wouldn't you say? Uh, for sure. For sure. Because I think they were supposed to they were supposed to kick on, weren't they? Even mm. though they sold Suarez, they spent a lot of money. Liverpool spent a huge amount of money. Now, I know a lot of it came from the Suarez sale, but you have to look at what they bought and be very dubious about their their transfer policy and, and the players that they brought in. You could see that the way they tried to replace Suarez was probably the right way in that you can't find 
another Suarez, particularly when Arsenal go and buy Alexis, <laughs> if that's the player that you've you've identified as as the the Suarez replacement, and he ends up with us. So you you go out and you buy Balotelli, Ricky Lambert, um, the Markovic guy. Who else did they get? Some other uh, twenty million Dejan Lovren who Dejan didn't Lovren, start yesterday. Adam Lallana. Um, yeah, you know, the, the, I think what they've done is probably confirm their status as a top six team, but not one that is really capable of challenging for a title. Um, you know, the players that they brought in have been pretty average, and it cements their status as a pretty average side. Yeah, and I think, you know, they've been hurt by the multiple injuries of Daniel Sturridge, but I suppose what we're saying is that they didn't buy enough to compensate for that. You know, yeah. if Balotelli or even Lambert, who frankly I'd forgotten was there, had worked out better, then that wouldn't have been such a problem. And I think while we didn't have the perfect summer, we all know there was stuff that Arsenal didn't get done that they might have done. Uh, When you compare our summer to Liverpool's, we had a pretty good one. And I think obviously the signing of Alexis proved absolutely crucial. And I thought, you know, his performance on the day and his goal kind of underlined that really. I think in signing him, we leapfrogged them in large part. Yeah, what, what, what was your favourite goal? Was the Alexis one your favourite? I think so. I think the emphatic nature of the finish uh, was was my fa- was my favourite thing about it. I heard right. that Michael Owen was critical of Simon Mignolet, which seems bizarre to me. I think that's where it all came from, where he sort of he went, oh, Mignolet will be disappointed with that. Like, how could he... The ball flew past him. Like, yeah. just unbelievably fast because if you notice as he hits it it kind of bobbles up so he's yeah. almost hitting it on like on the volley um, it was an incredible goal I thought a brilliant um, what what I liked about it was that it began with I think it was Coquelin and Ozil who, was, who, yeah. who pressurised the Liverpool players in, in midfield uh, Bellerin's pass into Ramsey was great but Ramsey's touch and and turn and pass then into Alexis was absolutely brilliant his first touch there was just around the corner fantastic and then the hit I was just sensational I don't know how any blame could be apportioned to any goalkeeper for that to be honest was that your favourite goal of the day? I think so yeah yeah I like Giroud's as well but you know it was one of those late goals that um, you know uh, not that it, a bit of a Rosicky icing on the cake kind of goal, you know that way. Great finish. Yeah, yeah um, it's one of those goals that like a, a player who's full of confidence scores. Yeah, you know a Bayerin's or Bellerin's goal. I was going to call him Bayerin. Go down the Spanish route because I've been working on the the new theme tune for today. You so see, you got some Spanish commentary, and, oh, they, nice. uh, and they call him Bayerin, Bayerin. Uh, but we'll call him Bellerin. I think we'll just for for ease of. Um, of uh, access, yeah. Take pity on me. Yes, my, exactly. My problems with exactly. pronunciation, but um, you know, I think that was a that was a great run and a great finish, but dodgy defending, you'd have to say. Very poor from Moreno, I think it was. He's another who they bought for big money, who's underperformed. But I did enjoy that goal, and I thought it was a great crossfield pass from Mesut Ozil and the build up to it too. Uh, yes. Yes, it was. And his goal, I enjoyed. I mean, you know, goalkeepers, they say, shouldn't get beaten on that side. I think that's fair. But if you are going to get beaten, yeah. get beaten by a strike like that, which was pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'd i be disappointed if my goalkeeper was beaten there. 
you oh, know, yeah. at the, the near post. I think we'd all be uh, roundly critical of of, uh, of an Arsenal goalkeeper who was beaten there. Uh, but it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant, uh, brilliant hit. So um, four sensational goals, really. Uh, but for me, Alexis, Alexis was uh, was the absolute favourite. The pick of the bunch. Mm. Who was your? Who did you think was our best player on the day? That's a really good question. Um, it's very difficult mm. because normally somebody stands out, but I think pretty much everybody played really well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can. Do you have a particular one that you would no, pick out above anyone? I, no, not really. I mean, I was doing um, player ratings for ESPN, and I was I was giving out a lot of eights. You know, I, I just thought it was a really good team performance. Yeah, I mean. Finding a weak link is a, is as difficult a job, really. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there really was one. Um, and it was interesting that when Koscielny went off, uh, Gabriel came in, and we didn't look in any way bothered by that. He just sort of slotted in alongside Mertesacker really well. Yeah. Um, and consistently, the, the the players who came on got involved. Danny Welbeck came on, got involved well, could have scored a goal himself. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think in terms of um, individual performances, it seems seems kind of churlish to pick one out above everyone else. Maybe, maybe Ozil because I don't know. I just loved a lot of what he did. Um, some of the movements, some of the shimmies away from players, and that bit where in the build up to the Bellerin goal, he just took the ball in the centre circle, took a touch, had a look up, and just sort of swept the ball out to Ramsey on the right-hand side. Absolute perfect pass. Um, I just, I don't know why I liked that so much, but I uh, it just showed great awareness and great vision to sort of stretch the play and allow Bellerin to get forward. And yeah, I, I, I would, ha- if I had to choose one, I'd, I'd choose Ozil. You know what I liked? I liked that when, for, our, for the free kick goal, it was actually Ozil that was fouled by Sacco. And as soon as the... As soon as the whistle blew, he wanted the ball. Mm. You know, he, he wanted the ball. He wanted to take the free kick, and I liked that there was that kind of conviction about his performance. And I didn't actually think he had a great opening twenty minutes. And I think had that happened last season, maybe his head would have gone down. But I really thought he played his way into the game and mm. made a really tangible impact. So, yeah, I think given the criticism that he has faced for his failure to deliver in some big games, I think it's probably worth pointing out that. He made a considerable impact this time round. Yeah, they said the on uh, the TV that as he was standing over it, they were watching him in in the warm up, and he'd taken five or six free kicks from that position in the mm. warm up. Um, so I guess that's interesting. I didn't know that practice makes perfect. I guess. Well, yeah. So we say here. Hmm. So, uh, what did you make of um, future Arsenal star Raheem Sterling? Um. <laughs> Yeah, he he's good. He's good. Won the penalty well. Um, yeah. Should have scored, obviously. But, you know, I thought he was handled pretty well overall. He was quiet. Liverpool weren't up to much from an, uh, an attacking point of view. So it's hard to it's hard to make a real judgment on, on him. They thought he did all right. You know. It was intriguing. He was kind of in a... There was a little period in the first half where he was in a sort of one-on-one battle with Per Mertzaka, which at first glance appears... Hugely mismatched, yeah. But um, Pear did really well, actually, and sort of he, he basically shut down Sterling a lot of the time before he could get the run on him, which I thought was quite impressive. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, it was a strange one actually. Arsenal, quite a lot of Arsenal fans in the ground were booing Sterling. Really? Um, yeah. Which I was like, I can't quite figure out the logic of this. Is it just because we're, we're we've been stung by money grabbers so many times that it's preemptive? We, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're booing him for when he leaves Arsenal for Real Madrid. I don't know. In I six years' know. time. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a bit odd. That is a bit odd. Uh, Maybe we go. just don't like being used in these transfer negotiations well, that he's having with Liverpool. Sense. One does get the sense that that might be exactly what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, overall a good weekend then because uh, Tottenham dropped points as well uh, against Burnley. Um, oh, that was the worst game I've seen for some time, I have to say. Did you watch that? I didn't know because I had anything else to do. Right, yeah. I, let me tell you, Sunday was anything but super. Yeah, I did see a bit of the... Um, who was the other guy? Oh, the, the Newcastle, Sunderland, Derby. Right, oh, yeah. Jesus. It was like yeah. two pub teams, wasn't it? I know. Settled by Jermaine Defoe. Couldn't yeah. get worse, really. Yeah. It, well, no, it was honestly, a great goal. Tottenham Burnley. Great, brilliant goal, but Tottenham Burnley was... It was a real... I mean, they may as well have replaced the ball with tumbleweed. Really? That bad? <laughs> it was that bad, yeah. Why didn't you just give up? Um, because Jesus didn't. And it's Easter. No, I um, <laughs> I no, I don't know. I I just uh, I, I was sort of you know trying to make the most of Easter Sunday, and for me that means watching huge amounts of football back to back. Yeah, uh, that's my religion. Mm. Well, so what now then for uh, for the rest of this season? Arsenal are in second place. Second I place. Know. I know. Um, you know what's realistic between now and and the end of the season? Manchester City can go back above us, I think, if they beat. Were they playing Crystal Palace mm-hmm. tonight? Will Sonogo be playing, I wonder? I hope so. Come on, yeah, so. yeah. If you give me something to cheer, definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what's realistic. I'm quite glad because I missed the entirety of Chelsea Stoke. Um, mm, same. And I'm, I'm pretty relieved because I think had I been watching at 1-1, I do think that there is still some small percentage of me that would dare to dream uh, before Loic Remy, you know, scuppered our imaginary title chances. Yeah. I think the best we can hope for is second place. And I think that is something to aim for and something to, you know, people say, what's the point in being second? Well, the point is it's progress. Mm. And the point is that in any competition, you strive to finish as high as is feasibly possible. Yeah. Uh, and I think that will be second this year. And I think we can do it. And I think that, yeah, there's a good chance that that's where we'll end up. Mm. So, look, this season then, we've beaten Manchester City. Mm. Um, people say we couldn't beat the big teams, and we're beating the big teams, and, and strangely losing to, to small teams like Stoke and uh, Southampton Tottenham. and Tottenham. Yeah, exactly. But we've beaten Manchester City. We've beaten Manchester United in the FA Cup. We've beaten Liverpool. And we spoke about this last week about progress, and I spoke about this with, with Amy on Friday in the, in the Arscast about mm-hmm. how it feels. It does feel um, as if as if the team is uh, in a better place, in a better position, more capable of getting results in, in these big games, which isn't to say it's perfect or everything's rosy. I think there's still improvements uh, can be made. But I think we have to... It just feels like we're on the right track and not necessarily that it, that it's easy to derail us from this point. Yeah. I mean, the Chelsea game coming up in a couple of weeks, if we, if we win that game, 
I'm not going to suggest that that will open up the title or anything like that. But if we win that game, if we finally get a win against Chelsea, then I think you have to look at this season as one which should be used as a, a platform um, to build on for next season and a real proper full-on title challenge from the start. No excuses and no reasons why we shouldn't be able to do it. Absolutely. I mean, I know we might have a, a real-life cup final on the horizon, but in some ways that this Chelsea game feels like another one. I, I really feel like it's a, a massive match and it's it's time for Arsenal to put this hoodoo beyond them. It's time for Arsene Wenger to get a win over Jose Mourinho. And I think we're in the shape to do it. I'm, I'm a bit cautious about saying this, but when I look at the second half of this season, I don't see a better team than Arsenal. I don't see any side who's played better football, played more consistently. And to be honest, who's got better run of results. Mm. And I think that's, in some respects, as frustrating as it is satisfying, because it makes you wonder why we couldn't do it in the first half of the campaign. But given that we're in the position that we're in now, we need to take that momentum and use it to put one over Chelsea because I think that would be a massive boost ahead of next season. Mm-hmm. And also it would just give us something, you know, if we're not going to lift the big trophy at the end of the year, then you need these kinds of victories to be those landmark moments that you look back on a season memorable, like favourably for. Yeah. And, and beating Chelsea for the first time in God knows how long would definitely be one of those. So... We've beaten your brother's team. I really hope we, we can beat mine now. <laughs> well, I think the universe owes us. In Definitely. Fa- you know, it would be unfair for me to have the gloating rights over my brother and for you not to have the same. Exactly. So I think that would, be cr- that would be bad. It's time for the universe to pay up, to be honest. It's been, it's been long enough. Right. Okay, well, look, we'll, um, we'll take a short break here and we'll be back with some of your questions in part two right after this. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I know what I was going to say. I'm going to leave this in now just so yeah, people, yeah. people get the full broadcast experience. This is it, how it, it goes down normally. We've just humanized us. Yes. Damn. We were so professional up to this point. We were superhuman previously. Yeah. And now we're mere mortals. God damn. Anyway, I was going to ask if people uh, could give us a rating or a review on iTunes if they listen to the podcast through iTunes. Uh, feel free to give us a rating or a review or both because it helps get the podcast high up the charts. And the more people that listen, the more human we can become. And that's our, our aim one day is to become real little boys like Pinocchio. To fully assimilate into mm-hmm. the human race. So uh, you can do that. I think you can do it on Stitcher as well. If you listen to the podcast on Stitcher, you can you can give us a review on there too. So uh, the more the merrier. And we thank you very, very sincerely for it. Thank you very much. That didn't sound very sincere at all. I it? know, I blew it, didn't I? Yeah. It was going so well up to that point. <sighs> right, okay. Well, look, we'll get on to the part where we answer questions sent to us very kindly by uh, readers and listeners uh, on Twitter, at GunnarBlog and at ArsBlog. And uh, thanks, as always, for all the questions you submit. We can't get to even half of them, but uh, we do read them all, and we uh, we feel special. This first one, it comes from SO260589. Don't know what mm-hmm. those numbers mean. Couldn't be. Anyway, um, he says... The Highbury spy says Barcelona are are eyeing up Bellerin as a replacement for Danny Alves. Is he a cunt? Is who a cunt? Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> Danny Alves, I guess, or the Highbury spy, or or who Hector Bellerin himself? Who knows? 
Well, look, Danny Alves, I think, definitely is. Yeah. Uh, a series of haircuts demonstrate that quite effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, <clears throat> oh, you've really worried me there. That story makes far too much sense. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, but did you not see the quotes from Bellerin this weekend where he says, you know, my dream was to be a footballer, not to be a Barcelona player. Life doesn't end at Barcelona, he said, which I thought was great. That's great. I haven't seen that. Um, well, that's good. As long as he doesn't go all Fabregas on us, you know. I know I said a dirty word there and decide he's got a return to Catalonia. Mm. I think um, I think Danny Alves is a cunt. I don't know the Highbury spy. I don't think they are. And Hector Bellerin definitely isn't. I think Hector Bellerin has been... I mean, it's only Francis Coquelin that stops him being the surprise of the season. Uh, because Cockland's resurgence has been so remarkable and so unexpected. But Bellerin, you know, he started the season, I think at one point when we had Jenkinson on the books, he would have been fourth or fifth choice in that role. And now I think he's got a genuine case to feel a little bit disappointed when, if and when Machia Dabushi comes straight back into the side because his improvement has been superb and his form is excellent. Mm. And with two goals this season, I, I noticed on Match of the Day he now has... As many Premier League goals, I think it has Mario Balotelli. So there you go. There you go. He's got more than Yaya Sinogo. <laughs> more Arsenal goals in his career. Yeah. Not that no that point. necessarily means anything, but, you know, I think you're right that in in terms of the surprise of the season, he's right up there. I think Coquelin probably is a bigger one, um, mm. just from the point of view that people viewed Bellerin as um, a, a, a young player with a load of potential that would eventually get his chance. I remember reading Mikel Artada saying that he was probably going to be Arsenal's right back for, for years to come. And this was this was last season, I think, um, or maybe earlier this season. So I think from that point of view, people realised there was a player in there, but it was just when he was going to get his chance. Coquelin, of course, was on his way out, basically. Uh, Arsene Wenger saying uh, uh, after the Liverpool game that, you know, in his head, he couldn't see Coquelin as a first-choice player at Arsenal. And I think that tells you a lot about football, that a man who is experienced in management as Arsene Wenger would never rule anything out, of course, but just could not see a way that Coquelin would be a first-choice player at Arsenal. And anybody who says that they they envisaged him making this kind of improvement and having this kind of an impact on the team is either a, a certifiable genius or lying through their teeth. Yeah, right. a very naughty man. Very naughty. And one when you lie, your nose gets bigger, and you won't become a real little boy. You remain a wooden puppet. Remember that's that. That's why we always tell the truth. Exactly. So, um, from that point of view, Cockerland's uh, emergence has been uh, has been more of a surprise. But Bellerin, what he's done is, I think he's kind of closed the door on Jenkinson's Arsenal career. I think for definite, for definite, I would say. You know. Um, He's a really exciting, really exciting young player. Um, Has he closed the door on Callum Chambers' right-back career? Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. What was interesting, though, was Arsene Wenger saying he chose Bellerin rather than Chambers because he expected Sturridge to play and to play from... 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The left and his low center, or maybe Sterling, or I can't remember which one of them he expected, but it, because of the low center of gravity, and, and Hector is quite small and fast on the turn and mobile, so that's why, that's why he chose him there. So I do wonder if for certain games he might feel that, that Chambers could be a better option, perhaps, against a team that's uh, a bit more physical or more direct. For example, Chambers' yeah. height and uh, ability in the air might be a bit better than, than Bellerin's. But look, it's a brilliantly healthy situation for this club to be in, to have those options uh, right back. Um, I know we discussed last week that Debussy would probably come straight back into the side, but I, I don't think... I think as more time goes on, it gives more for Arsene Wenger to think about. So. Sorry, you, you mentioned the depth there, and I was just thinking, you know, we had those players who played that friendly last week, Debussy, Arteta, Wilshire, Diaby, and in his press conference before the Liverpool game Arsenal talked about being impressed by how fit they were they were potentially in contention for the squad and yet none of them make even the substitute bench it tells you something about the amount of depth we've got available I think it's a very strong position to be in mm. There was a shot of Mikel Arteta actually just while we touch on him in the opening minutes of the game on the television you know the way the players normally sit behind the bench the players who aren't fit or aren't in the squad they sort of sit right. behind the bench Um but Arteta was sitting like in his almost training gear, I think, but sitting among among the coaching staff. Mm. Something to be read into that, or I don't know. I don't know about at this stage. But I, I, if you speak to anyone about Mikel Arteta, they always say that they think there could be a great coach in him. You know, he's someone who thinks very deeply about the game, incredibly committed to 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 the game as well. And I, and I think I'd love to see. Something we've not had in recent years is players transitioning from the playing staff to the coaching staff. And I'd love to see someone like Arteta do that. He's not the only one. I'd love to see someone like Rosicki do that too, if he was willing to stick around. He could be a um, guitar coach. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, <laughs> yeah, but I think in seriousness, <laughs> that would be a great step for Arteta. But I don't think he's ready to embark upon that road necessarily right away. I think having missed so much of this season, he'll probably want to get a bit more playing time out of his system before he looks onto the coaching side. Mm. All right, next question then. Uh, let's have a question. Okay, um, we mentioned the surprise resurgence of Cochrane. Yeah. But Spornik666, who sounds like an intriguing fellow. Uh, a with bit, some bit satanic for this time of year. interests, mm. yeah. <laughs> uh, he asks, which player resurgence has been the best 
Urzels, Giroud's, Montreal's or Coquelin's? Well, I think just from a starting point of view, if you take the base level, it's got to be Coquelin. Mm-hmm. Because he was nowhere, shipped out on loan to Charlton, hauled back, much to his uh, ire at the time, because he felt he was just going to come back and, and sit on the bench. And all of a sudden, he he's become a, a crucial part of the team. So I think from that point of view... Uh, You've got to go with Coquelin. Ozil, of course, a world-class player. When he arrived, had a difficult opening part of the season, then was injured. I think since he's come back, he's been absolutely... I think he's been brilliant. Um, I I love watching him in the team. I love what he does with the football. Um, Monreal, fantastic. Again, he's somebody who fought for his place. You know, I think he was behind. People would have accepted that in the in the early part of the season. Gibbs was the obvious number one left back. That's no longer mm-hmm. the case. No longer the case. Monreal is, uh, and that's a healthy situation. Giroud, you know, he's improved. Uh, hasn't scored against the big teams. That was the criticism. He's done that this season. His goal scoring record since he came back from injury has been absolutely outstanding. His contribution to the way the team plays is brilliant as well. Um, but again, what we're seeing is, I guess, uh, an improvement from an already decent level. Like he scored 17 in his first season. I think he 22 in his second season. I think he's on course to, to improve on that um, this season, despite the fact he missed three or four months with a, with a broken leg. So I think we, we're looking at a player who's uh, improved in stages, but from a just base level, it's got to be, got to be Cochrane. I agree. I thought he was excellent against Liverpool as well. You know, because there were times where with Ramsey on the right and Cazorla in central midfield, he was a little bit isolated. But he produced so many of those sliding interceptions to cut attacks out. I just thought he set some of that tempo that that helped Arsenal overpower Liverpool in the Mm. early stages of the game. Uh, So, yeah, I think he definitely deserves credit for that. I think those four players have all had dramatic resurgences. But you've got to pick Coquelin out. You've got to look at Ozil for me because I do think, you know, some people would say, well, he's always been this good, but he's only getting the recognition now. I think that since he's come back from injury, he's definitely been at a different level. Uh, Quite Mm. why that is, is difficult to unpick. If it's the time in the gym, if it's just that feeling fresh, if it's just clearing his head, I don't know. But I think he's been, he's gone up a gear, undoubtedly. Uh, And as for Giroud, he he just improves year on year on year. And that's something that's, true throughout his career he did it at all his previous clubs he's doing it at Arsenal I mean by the time he's sort of 40 or 50 he's going to be like Messi or Ronaldo yeah he'll be a 100 goal a season striker <laughs> it's amazing but I, I was looking at some of his numbers today because obviously we're in the midst of the, the Harry Kane milestrom you know everyone falling over themselves to praise him but I am um, then their goals per 90 minutes in the Premier League is absolutely identical it's 0.7 goals per game Giroud creates more chances by some distance in every game, uh, has more assists than Kane per 90 minutes. So over the course of the season, he's actually outperformed the Spurs man. Mm. And I think, you know, that, that sometimes goes unnoticed, but perhaps because he missed those few months with injury and because of that, he won't be in the contention probably for the big player of the season awards. But very few people have contributed more consistently than him. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, I just think he's been absolutely terrific this season. All right, uh, here's a question. This one from uh, at J Williams J. This Alexis mm-hmm. on fire. 
And he says, it's looking likely that Chesney is leaving in the summer. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if that were the case, I have to say. That's Chesney you left. saying that, not Jay Williams, Jay. That's me saying that, yeah. Right, OK. It wouldn't surprise me. Do, uh, is this rib injury a real rib injury? That is a has, really good question. Has I, Arsene Wenger taken a rib out of Chesney to try and make another goalkeeper? Ooh, there's a... Continuing the biblical theme. Yeah. I don't know. But who is the serpent in the garden? That's the big question. <laughs> um, but anyway, getting back to the point uh, about Chesney, who I still write as a goalkeeper, but it would now not surprise me if he left in the summer. Uh, Jay Williams Jay wants to know, stick with Ospina or look for a new number one? What would your choice be here? I think that there is a potential improvement to be made upon Ospina. Um, I, do you know what? I still think that Wojciech Szczesny, in terms of if you break it down, the pure attributes, has the greater potential to be a top goalkeeper. Mm. However, I would sort of agree with you that I was absolutely convinced he would be back in, in the side within a few weeks when he went out in January. And we're into April now and he shows no sign. Really, It's, it's impossible, I think, to foresee him becoming a Premier League starter again before the end of the campaign. And Ospina's record is very good. I think doubts do persist about him a little bit. I had this question actually from uh, Chris, who's uh, one Mr. W on Twitter. And he says, are you worried that Ospina's body language slash facial expression makes him look like we just found him at a bus stop? <laughs> and <laughs> I do sometimes worry that that might count a little bit against him. It's it's such a shallow thing. But, you know, when you see him, he doesn't necessarily look as imposing or as dominant as some goalkeepers. He does look a bit bewildered at times, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah. And this one comes from uh, just uh, another one I had marked here from uh, JJ at E underscore click underscore tick. And he said, good save by Ospina on Saturday. But would you give him more credit if he had more neck? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think you I mean, can go too far with the neck thing. You know, a, a neck is important. Obviously, it's, you know, it keeps your head in place. But you could go too far like Cristiano Ronaldo, who has the world's most disgusting neck. Well, and also regular listeners will remember how much I love owls and they have no discernible neck. Yes, that's true. Um, although as far as I'm aware, Spina can't turn his head 360 degrees. If he can, I'd be, I mean, maybe I'd give him more credit. Mm. I think uh, he's done really well and his record of clean sheets is pretty impressive. He, he almost gets out that penalty at the weekend. But I think there is an improvement to be made in that area. So I, my feeling is that Chesney will leave you know, everything we know about his character, do we think he's a guy who's going to be content to sit on the substitutes bench for prolonged periods? Mm, uh, I don't think so. I, I don't think so, to be honest. I can see him making some noise about that and probably wanting to go come the summer. I, I think he'll... I hope that there's been no kind of breakdown in relations. I hope that this is a genuine rib injury because we do have two FA Cup games. And I guess while we could play David Espina in those... I'm not hugely confident of put throwing in one of the kids in those situations. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I'd like Chesney to play those games if at all possible. But uh, I think come the summer, I think he might go. And I think then you just buy the best goalkeeper you can buy. And hopefully that will be someone who is good enough that they come in as an established number one. Mm. So I think that's one area that will be something that Arsene looks to address in the summer. Mm. Okay. What okay. do you think? I would be, I think if the Chesney thing is done, it's got to a point where 
where he might go or does decide to go to play regularly. Um, you know, I think if you look at the Arsenal team and you think where can it be improved considerably, goalkeeper, having a, a really top, top goalkeeper is is the most obvious one for me. You know, because there's lots of goals in the team. You could say, well, we could have a world-class striker or we need, you know, maybe another defensive midfield player or, you know, another centre half. But you you can see within the squad that there's ways of of dealing without that. But, you know, a a world-class goalkeeper would be be a big improvement or would help this team considerably, I think. Um, You know, a keeper that genuinely keeps you, wins you points. The one that's getting bandied around is is Petr Cech. Mm. Do you, do you feel that that's uh, that would be a good solution, and do you feel it's realistic? Um. Yeah, I mean, he's a very very good goalkeeper. Thirty two, so you know, still got good years, got plenty of experience. Is he better than Ospina? Probably. Yeah, he is better than Ospina, isn't he? I think so. If you look at his career record and what he's won, unless you believe that he's sort of washed up and finished, which I, I don't necessarily think is the case. Yeah. Um, whether it's realistic or not, I don't know. Maybe he might want to go somewhere else. Maybe he might, after all his years at Chelsea, not want to play for for Arsenal. Mm. I don't imagine it would be terribly easy to to do a deal with Chelsea for him. Um, so I don't know, but I, you know, I don't know the world of goalkeepers that well to to suggest who else is out there or who else we could get. You know, um, I, I do think as well that there are still issues at the training ground when it comes to the goalkeepers. That I think maybe as well as improving the goalkeeping um, roster, you could look at improving the goalkeeping coaching, perhaps. That's been an area yeah. of worry for for a while. So, um, yeah, maybe there's more more could go on there too. So I don't know, but I, I do I do think it's an area that we could uh, we could improve on goalkeeper for sure. Well, Manuel Almunia has retired, so maybe he can come in as the new goalkeeping coach. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, let's have another question. Yes, uh, this one comes from the genuinely unpronounceable. Peter Firuz backed. Right. I had a go. I mean, there's just every consonant you can imagine in that surname. I'll call him Peter. <laughs> and he, he asks, we mentioned him earlier, he might be in action tonight, with only five appearances for Crystal Palace and at 22 years of age, does Yaya Sanogo have any future at Arsenal? It's difficult to see where he fits in, right? Does he play ahead of Giroud? No chance. Does he play ahead of Danny Welbeck? No. Does he play ahead of Alexis? Maybe if, you know, you're you're playing a team where you need a physical centre forward and you can play Alexis off him, but does he play instead of Alexis or no? Um I, I don't know. I mean I think it was one of those where where Arsene Wenger took a bit of a gamble because he was more or less free, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, it was like a tribunal. a free transfer. I mean, he obviously sees something in him, but to be perfectly honest, it's very difficult to see him getting the required games at Arsenal to accelerate his improvement. Maybe we just have to look at, uh, having spoken about Coquelin, um, you know, 
football can surprise you and a player can suddenly emerge from nowhere, but uh, I would be very surprised. You? But, uh, I mean, I mean, ever since Sonogo sort of came into the club, I've been a little bit surprised at how much game time Arsenal was prepared to afford him. I think partly that was desperation. We didn't have a huge amount of options that time. Now that we do, it's very, very difficult to see him just keeping a regular place in the squad. I mean, I don't know if that will sort of come to its conclusion this summer. I don't know what will happen with Sonogo. We've got three strikers out on loan, Podolski, Campbell, Snogo. Podolski will well. go. Podolski's gone in the summer Podolsky for sure, 100%. Go. But I think, to be honest, there's a case... I think Akpom will obviously remain under contract with the club, having just signed a new deal. But I, I do think there's a potential for all of the other three to, to depart. Uh, we know Arsenal has enormous faith in Sonogo, which gives him the advantage. I think he's the most likely to stick around. But if he does stick around, I think his opportunities are going to be really limited. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, and at 22... You know, I think he'll be wanting to play fairly regularly, surely. You know, having missed the early part of his career with so many injuries, I think he'll want to seize the chance to play more regular football. And I, I just can't see him getting that at the Emirates Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. That said, I will be backing him fully this evening against Manchester City. I mean, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you'll already know about his hat trick. <laughs> yes. Well done, Yaya. <laughs> now you've just exposed the fact that we're also time travellers. Indeed, yeah. Whoops. You're ruining everything today, James. I know, I know. Sorry, I'm, I, although it's, I'm not officially on holiday, clearly my brain is. <laughs> right, here's a question. This one comes from Bill Harding. It's quite an easy, much easier name than your last Straightforward. one. Straightforward, simple. I'll, I'll call him Bill. And he says, Arsenal have a free kick in the last minute of a Premier League match, 25 yards out, dead centre. Who do you want over it? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, because until fairly recently in Arsenal history, we would have said pretty much no one. <laughs> we were, you know, maybe what, Arsene, I don't what, know. Was Van Persie the most overrated free kick taker of all time? I mean, he's up there. He was up there with Colo Torre and Thomas Vermaelen, I would say. <laughs> I used to really enjoy their sort of long run-ups and then just smashing it into a wall from 30 yards. Yeah, the old um, who can kick the ball hardest is the guy who takes the free kick thing. Yeah. It was quite a fun little tactic, but I'm not sure it ever worked at mm. any point. I mean, Van Persie did score some great free kicks, but they were, what, one in 40, maybe? Few and far between, yeah. Mm. I think uh, the funny thing is Mikel Arteta was quite a good free kick taker for Everton but never quite translated that form to Arsenal I remember he did get a brilliant one against uh, Aston Villa yeah that was a great goal wasn't it mm. um, I think in that situation who would I go for I think I would just about opt for Alexis uh, he can be quite erratic on the set pieces but he's got quite a neat trick of when he hits the ball he can get quite a low trajectory but with a lot of movement and dip mm. it's not quite the kind of Ronaldo Bale weirdness but it's it's moving that way he's got a kind of yeah quite an interesting technique that I think even if it's not right in the corner can prove quite challenging to a goalkeeper so he would be mine although you know honourable mention to Santi Cazorla and Meza Ozil yeah Cazorla would be mine I just think yeah. in terms of pure technique and, and a guy who can hit the ball uh, 
the way he can hit it with both feet. I just think that would be my little bit of security. I know what you're saying about Alexis, and he did score a good one this season, didn't he, against, um, was it Southampton in the Capital One Cup? It was indeed. Uh, and that was a you know top corner, brilliant free kick. Also, we just saw a score against uh, Liverpool, and he's had a couple of good ones, actually, uh, in recent weeks. I think somebody, one of the keepers, had to make a save. Was it against mm. Newcastle, perhaps? I can't remember. Newcastle, I think, maybe. Um, you know, obviously his technique is brilliant, but I think I think Cazorla for me, you know, he could he could hit it with any one of his three legs, and it would be yeah. <laughs> well, do you know something I don't? But uh, he uh, he also delivered, of course, in the FA Cup final. Yeah, really important goal and a brilliant free kick that was too. Mm, it really was, really was, and I think so that was if, further if, if than a- twenty five yards, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And if you're talking about someone delivering under pressure, he really did it on that stage. So. Not a bad choice from you there. Mm. All right. Have you got one more? Oh, I'd, I'd completely forgotten about the whole thing. I was just, <laughs> just reminiscing about Santi Cazorla's free kick. In the FA Cup um, final. Okay, yeah, I have got one more. It's from Huzario. And he asks, would you rather kiss Charlie Adam or have him score that goal against us? Um, well, clearly I'd rather him score that goal against us because... Ugh. Charlie Adams' mouth. It reminds me of that thing in Star Wars. You know, where they're they're about to <laughs> throw the, them in. Jabba yeah, the Hutt's J- about to throw them all in. What's it called? A Sarlacc or... Sarlacc. I think that is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. So, is no. So, no. Because he could score that goal against us and we could still win the game. We could still win by five or six or eight goals, you know. So, um, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't kiss Charlie Adam ever. Ever. Are you sure this might be your one and only chance? Um, no, you still haven't convinced me there. It's just, no. Would you, but would you worry about, would it not, I mean, do you not, would you not worry about making him happy by giving him the opportunity to score that goal against us? And given that he's already scored that goal against Chelsea, is there a danger he would start to get credit as being a good footballer? Um, no, because I think all all you need to do is remind people of that moment where he tried to strangle Alexis Sanchez. That was the only way that he could deal with him in yeah. that in that very frustrating game against Stoke. Um, you know, he he his reaction to better players being around him isn't to play better, it's to try and murder them. Mm. With his Which is the problem hands. when he went to Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> trying to kill Steven Gerrard on the training ground just because he was a better player than him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, alleged, I've just made that up. It's not, you know... Don't sue us. But the <laughs> I don't want to kiss him either. I mean, it was a trick question. There's no one who's saying, yes, I'll kiss Charlie Adam. That's good. Yeah. Is there? I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're out there, do seek help. Mm. You know, we'll put a number at the end of the show. Yeah. It's a, a disturbing road we've gone down here, in fairness. Yeah. It often is towards the end. Yeah. Do we need one to get us, um, to get us back Maybe. on have track? You got, have you got one? Uh, no. Well, <laughs> I have a quick look. Uh, which ones uh, have I put aside here? Um, okay, well, yeah, this one finally then comes from Assad, Assad Baker. And he says, is it fun to have a sibling who supports a rival club? I have to say, I think it is. Um, in large part, it's not been fun for me when Arsenal have played Chelsea <laughs> in recent years. But there was a time younger listeners won't remember this, when Chelsea were rubbish. (laughs) Uh, It was great. They had Scott Minto in their team. 
Jakob Kielberg, and to be honest, they were no great shakes. Didn't they so have that? that was, did they have that goalkeeper who wore um, who wore tracksuit bottoms all the time as well? Yeah, they had a few actually. Well, they had Dimitri Karin, who That's was the, the Russian. Fella. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think they had a, a Norwegian called Frode Grodas, who also might have favoured the tracksuit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't wear the ring. But he, um, yes, it is fun, I think. And also it, it just kind of gives you, it's quite useful to get a perspective. Like I, it kind of means more when he sort of sidled up to me at the weekend and he said, Olivier Giroud's a good player, isn't he? And I was like, ah, other fans are starting to cotton on. So it's nice to get that sort of little bit of insight too. Mm. But the main thing is the rivalry. And uh, yeah, it's enjoyable. And although... I really, really need an Arsenal win over Chelsea now. It's long overdue. It's becoming a bit of a sticking point for me. So I might change my mind about how fun it is should we lose yeah. in a few weeks' time. Is it not better, perhaps, to have an enemy, though, who supports a rival club? Because, you know, when it's your brother, you can only go so far with the That's ribbing true. and the gloating. Because, you That's know, true. Unless you absolutely hate your brother, and I don't, I don't hate my brother. Um, ah. So, you know... <sighs> He's he's generally quite magnanimous, and so am I. And you know, he's accompanied me a few times to uh, to the Emirates to watch Arsenal versus Liverpool. And thankfully, every time he comes, we win. So it's right. I'm not sure it's a trip he's he's going to make he's too always many welcome. more times. He is always welcome, always welcome. And uh, people remind him that he's always welcome <laughs> when we have a pint after the game. But uh, yeah, I think it's better to have somebody who you really don't like uh, supporting a rival club, and then you can kind of. You can stick it in. I've, yeah, that's uh, a good point. My my local butchers, one of the chaps is a Manchester United fan, and you know we have a bit of friendly ribbing from time time to time about the uh, about the football. And I hadn't been in for a while, hadn't been in for a while, and then I went in last week, and uh, he was there behind the counter, and I'd forgotten all about the FA Cup game until I saw his face. <laughs> He was gone. He just had this face on going, he's going to say something about it now. He's, going to say, he's definitely going to say something about it now. Shit, 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 shit. And I had forgotten. And then I saw his face and then I had to say something about it. I like that kind of thing more than, you know, vicious hatred and all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. more, you know less killing and stuff. Not that I've ever killed anyone over football. I don't. No, no I, I mean, you don't think, you don't remember it. If anyway, you blacked out. Yeah, exactly. I woke up and there was a load of blood and a knife and stuff, but that's it. I mean, I don't remember doing it. No, which I think, so it doesn't really count. No, no. Right. Well, look, will we leave it there for, for, uh, for this week? I think so. It's definitely taking on a darker hue, so I think we should get out while we can. Certainly murder and kissing Charlie Adam is a place nobody, nobody wants to be on a beautiful bank holiday Monday afternoon. The sun is shining out there. I might, uh, yeah. I might actually go outside. Yeah. What's that like? Uh, it's uh, airy. Mm. Mm. Intriguing. I must, well. I must, I must explore the possibility. <laughs> all right. Well, look, um, we'll do all this again next week. We're playing Burnley at the weekend. Is that right? We are Burnley away. Burnley away, um, and then of course we've got to get ourselves ready for uh, an FA Cup semi-final. But look, Burnley first. We'll discuss that on next week's Arscast Extra, and I'll be here on Friday with a regular old Arscast for you. Uh, so until then, cheers. Bye bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 